Welcome back to the Digging the Grits podcast. My name is Brandon Shaw. I'm your host. Hey, it's been a little bit since we've had an episode, right? But if you're tuning in on YouTube, you see me there every single week. I try to time podcast interviews with the release of videos. I can't get a guest for every single video, though, believe me, I try. So while the podcast may not be every week, you'll still see me on YouTube. I do love getting to interact with you in a slightly different way through this podcast, though. Which reminds me, you know the thing on podcasts where like, oh, leave us a five-star review and a rating or whatever. That stuff does help. So if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of Digging the Grids, feel free to leave me a review either in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Now, my guest today, I am so excited about. Africa Baby Bam, or as he's also known, Bam is a founding member of the Jungle Brothers, an incredibly influential hip-hop group who were part of the Native Tongues. Now, I could talk a lot about the Native Tongues, and I have on the main channel on YouTube in multiple Digging the Greats videos, but today I'm excited to bring you my recent conversation with Bam himself. We get into stuff like the formation of the Jungle Brothers, the Native Tongues, stories like recording the classic song Buddy, meeting Queen Latifah for the first time, making the classic hip house track, I'll House You. And actually, if you go to YouTube right now, I've just released a video breaking down this track, not only with segments from this story, but also breaking down some of the hip house elements, sort of tracing the sample through music history. So when this conversation's over, you'll want to head over to YouTube, dig in the greats, check that out. Anyway, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Africa Baby Bam. Um, can you tell me sort of your beginnings in music uh, and how how you got started with music? Well, it first started at age nine. I took a creative writing class. And, you know, I learned about poetry and poetic license and how you can follow a certain structure or you can go outside of that structure. And because I loved words so much, that really connected with me. Yeah. Then I, I heard my first rap record when I went to Albany Projects to visit my grandmother, which was Jimmy Spicer Super Rhymes. And it was kind of like just blaring out a speaker in an open window out to the street. And I'm just walking in the building and I'm like, oh, cool. And then that turned into like, competing with my cousin to see who can remember the most of that like 11 minute rhyme yeah. you know, storytelling. But I still hadn't thought like, this is something I want to do. It was just yeah. like, that's a really good voice. I like his voice. I like that groove. I like the stories playing different characters, Howard Cosell, you know, vamp, uh, Dracula. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And then you just was like memorizing it. And that, and then after that, and a couple of block parties at my grandmother's, uh, at, I think around age 11, I got like punished for the whole summer and I got my dad's equipment in my room and I turned on the radio one day and I heard um, two records. One was Sucker MC. Hmm. And I just remember pointing to the radio and I was like, I can do that. Yeah. So I started writing a bunch of like braggadocio rhymes and like taping, you know, nighttime mix shows off the radio. And then I heard Planet Rock. And I was like, oh, like there's some socially conscious message in there. Yeah. So that was like formulating the ingredients. It was like super rhyme storytelling, sucker MCs, braggadocio, 
and then this kind of socially conscious spiritual party jam planet rock yeah those those were like the three cornerstones and in between all of that was like just jams you know molly mall scratch um let's see what else was in there like um latoya roxanne chante you know like the girl raps and then a, a few battle raps too you know, Grandmaster Flash, The Furious Five. Yeah, yeah. But mostly it was like Belly Mel, The Message, Planet Rock, Sucker MCs, Super Rhymes. It was yeah. like, that was like on the regular rotation like for a couple of years. And that's what kind of pushed my hand and made me see my place in it. Yeah. I was going to do something, you know what I mean? So up to that yeah. point, I was just making the pause tapes for the radio and taking that outside and just rocking the boom box. Like those are my records. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, like, like Jamaican DJs that do dub tapes and shit like that. That was like, that's all I need really. Yeah. So that was the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and so then I know, uh, in high school is sort of jungle brothers came together. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So that was like four years after that. So I had like four years of kind of like b-boying at the roller skating ring, walking around with the boombox in the in the park, just being like in what you would call the culture. You know what I'm saying? Not like a rapper or a DJ, just like. Rocking the jams, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Walking around on the streets, rocking the jams, dressing fly with the Latigrid um, windbreaker. I used to have that and the white leaves and the Adidas and just being that fly B-boy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I had like four years of that where I was like, yo, this is me, you know what I mean? Like, And then when I got to high school, I had more rhymes ready and we had a talent show. And I tried to get down with the talent show. I, w- I went and actually saw a talent show my first year in high school. And um, it was like three female rappers and a male DJ. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And I was like, so there was that going on. And then Curtis Blow was on blast with um, AJ is Cool, AJ is Scratch, you know, different records like that. Um, and some of the block body jams, like Tramp. You know, all the volume was starting to get turned up a little bit. So I was going home and like scribbling more. And then I met four guys in my class who were like in a group together for the talent show. And it was like, yeah, if you want to be down, you got to talk to A. And I go to A. And A, you want to be down, you got to talk to B. And B would go, yeah, if you want to be down, you got to talk to C. C was Brother J from the X Clan. And he was like, yo, if you want to get down, you got to talk to D. And D was Mike G, who was a grade above me. Yeah. And then when it came time for the talent show, the first three people dropped out, and it was just me and Mike. And Brother J was beatboxing for everybody in the talent show, so he wound up being a part of it too. And so we did that first talent show. And through that, I made a relationship, you know, with, with both Brother Jay and Mike. We would be hanging out, beatboxing in the hallway, 
freestyling or doing the lyrics that we wrote. Yeah. But that went on for like six months before I knew that Mike G's uncle was Red Alert. Yeah. So I think it was around Christmas break. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get turntables and set them up. And, you know, and I was telling everybody I'm going to make a record because I thought, oh, that's stepping up my game. I'm making pause tapes with a boom box and one record player that has a rubber band. Yeah. Not a magnet in it. And so I was like, just going off of that during the hobo scratch and Buffalo gals and all that was popping off. But then I got these turntables and that really stepped it up. Cause I was like, okay, now I could like take this double cassette and I don't have to like pause so much. I could just take two records and backspin them and mix one yeah. into the other. And so I was telling everybody I'm going to make a record. So we come back from Christmas holiday. I got the turntables and everything. I'm hanging out with Mike and he's like, yo, come uptown. Let's go uptown after school. And we get uptown 113th street and we in the crib and I'm like, oh shoot, there's turntables. So I start rocking the turntables and me and Mike just busting rhymes. And then a few late, few moments later, his uncle walks in and I'm like, oh shoot. And he's like, yeah, that's my uncle Red, you know? And he was like, yeah, I heard about y'all doing that talent show. You know, I heard y'all got a, you know, won a contract and a chance to go see Run DMC at the Apollo. You know, I want to get involved. And Brother Jay was beatboxing. And, you know, we was just kids, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hanging out in Red Alert's room, sitting on his records, not even knowing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So funny. So, so, what I had, so, so what I had said when I was nine years old, that I was going to be a poet. It happened yeah. that I would be making these records when I was 15. So it was like one thing led to another, yeah. you know, all of the stuff that people say manifestation and all that, they call that that now. I didn't know all of that, but I was just in the moment manifesting stuff yeah, to the yeah. point where I'm like, I'm coming out of small town, USA Bay Ridge, getting on the train to go to high school and, uh, Murray Bertram in Manhattan, far away, and I'm in the building with Red Alert's nephew for a whole year, not knowing it. Yeah, and then, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And each member that dropped out of that talent show group yeah. put me in touch with the next person who was led to Mike G. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay. The universe is like, okay, you want to do that? Yeah. Take the first steps. You know what I'm saying? I got accepted to high school, uh, the Bronx High School of Science, and I was like, nah, that's too far. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going all the way up there. So I went to Bertram because that's right there by City Hall, right over the Brooklyn Bridge. And lo and behold, as I'm saying what I want to do, I'm running into the right person. Yeah. Which is Mike G. And then his uncle starts putting us in the studio with the routines that we had that we practiced in my house, in my living room. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very organic situation. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. That's amazing. That's an amazing um, series of events all leading to each other. That's great. And, and to add to that, the first day of high school, when I get there, as I'm walking up to it, 
my best friend from my grandmother's building, Brian, who was a DJ, who taught me how to DJ, he wound up, he was in that school already. Hmm. So I was like, oh, you go here? He's like, yeah, I go here. And then when we got in the front door, the security at the front desk was my cousin Kareem. <laughs> so it was like a lot of things was like, you're going in the right direction. You know yeah. what I'm saying? My dad used to tell me, you got a cousin that looks just like you who I used to look out for back in the day. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. When am I going to meet him? That was the day. First day oh, wow. I was Yeah. So I was like, yeah. all those planets were lining up. Like, you're going yeah. in this direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly where you need to be. That's perfect. Yeah, for real. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll get to this part, but we'll skip around. It's like, so on the back end of that, I'm graduating 88 and I'm going on tour in Europe for 30 days. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So by the time we coming out of high school, we already got records on the radio, uh, money yeah. in our pocket, passports ready to go. And yeah. we on tour for 30 days in Europe. There's like no turning back. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're going to keep going forward because at that time, you're like laying down hip hop history. Yeah. You're not jumping on anybody's bandwagon. Yeah. You're like adding footprints to the whole thing. Yeah. So you're like, you're responsible for that. So you go through with that. Yeah. Do you feel like at the time, because now, I mean, we can look back as a definite era of, of jungle brothers, of tribe, of native tongues, De La, like the whole, a group of albums over several years. Um, do you feel like were you aware at the time that you guys were like in the process of making history? Yeah, I was because like my dad was a jazz buff and he grew up in that era. Yeah. So he was like, yo, I saw John Coltrane. And when he finished his show, he had there was spit all over the floor. Yeah. That's how much he was rocking that sax. Yo, I saw Miles Davis. And yeah, and he had all the jazz records, you know, and he was like, you know, schooling me on bebop. So I'm like, you were a part of an historical moment. Yeah. Like this moment is over that you're telling me about. But these are the records I've been listening to since I was a baby. And now you're telling me these stories. And I'm going, okay, I see the historical moment you were in. Yeah. And when you start hearing the first electric records like Planet Rock, Kraftwerk, yeah. and the first DJ records that don't have vocals on it, but you hear cutting and scratching and it's talking yeah, to yeah. you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then you hear a couple of rap records telling the story. You're like that in contrast to what I was just hearing yesterday jazz records, disco records, funk records, is a completely different thing. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I remember shooting Skelly in the backyard and looking over this short wall, and I'm hearing what I didn't know at the time was Trans Europe Express, and I'm seeing older kids popping and locking around the radio, and, I'm, and I literally looked up, I must have been 10 years old, and I said, Wow. For a second, I just stopped my game and I was like, wow, the world's changed forever. 
Yeah. It's changed forever. I could see everything in the world change forever. Not just the music, but everything. And yeah. then I went back and started shooting Skelly, and I was like, okay. And <laughs> these are the things that conjured that vibe, like, okay, you're a part of a changing moment. You know what I mean? You're walking up the block to the corner store, throwing a quarter in the machine and playing Gallica. You know what I'm saying? Like Robotron. Yeah. Like, who, who does that? You know what I'm saying? Before your era, your parents didn't have that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. going over to my grandmother's house and I'm seeing Pong. Like, you know, like change the channel to this and put this on. It's like, wow. So there's yeah, a lot of phenomenal yeah. things going on where I'm like, I've got my great grandmother on my father's side. I'm going to see her in the Bronx. She's like 102. Her world is different. I'm yeah. going to my great parents, my grandparents. They're like maybe like 65 at that time. That world is different. Then I'm going to my parents' record collection. That world is different. And then I'm going yeah, down the yeah. crab work, my generation, and I'm still youngin'. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah. that world is different. That's four yeah. different worlds right there. Yeah. So you can help to feel like, yeah, you you are part of something that's growing out and you in it. You got your fingerprint in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no that's, way you couldn't not see that. Yeah. That's amazing. Um well tell me about so I know the the first record, uh, straight out the jungle. Um, I, I sort of contrasted that and a lot of people have contrast that with, uh, uh, straight out of Compton cause that's uh West coast, very different vibe. Um, and similar name, um, coincidentally enough. Uh, yeah. but with the native tongues, like especially the, the first album, uh, straight out the jungle, like that started a, a whole new scene and uh i mean snowballing into into de la into tribe into so many other native tongues groups and so like you're there for that but then that i mean that album is very fun very lighthearted uh the the samples on it like it's it's very fun to listen to and then you but you've also got i'll house you on there um so can you tell me the story uh about i'll house you because I, th I think it's so interesting with jungle brothers because you guys start with one thing that like sort of branches out and then you have one song on the album that's i'll house you which is uh a new combination of hip-hop and house and then yeah. you guys continue that through other albums as well um yeah. so like there's se there are several instances throughout your career specifically where it's you're right at the beginning of a new thing and i'll house you is another example of that so can you tell me um sort of how that song came about well in, in that era it was like youth with no adult supervision like so that's the that's like the backstory of all of these records it's not just the records it's it's that it's yeah. that moment in time where it's like you as a teenager yes. got something going on that that's not on your parents' radar. Yeah. And it's right there in your face, accessible. So, and then you meet other people through that connection. You know what I'm saying? So, 
we was living we was on that nightlife stuff you know early as youngins you know what i'm saying like out late yeah. you know what i mean and there was a lot going on when you went out there you know what i'm saying yeah. so there was you know hip-hop jams house parties all of that stuff was going on so what i would do when i would leave the club like latin quarters and stuff like that I would go hang out with the dancers sometimes and they'd bring me to these house parties in lower Manhattan. Some like hole in the wall spots. So I started to turn into, I mean, I'm not really a club head because part of Red Alert mentoring me was taking me to these clubs, like the ones he was doing. And then when he wasn't doing those clubs, he'd take me to other clubs, like the rooftop and stuff like that. And like be the fly on the wall, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm getting in with him when I'm not supposed to be in there, and he's showing me around, like Ultra Magnetic MCs or Chokeski Love or Boogie Down Productions. So uh, he's like mentoring me, basically. Yeah. But then, like, there was this one record he would play at midnight as the last record to see everybody off in Latin quarters, which was "Move Your Body" by Marshall Jefferson. Yeah. And I, that's when I picked up on house. I was like, because before that, I was a big go-go head. Like, I was into go-go, like, yeah. trouble funk and all that. Outside of the hip-hop stuff, I was rocking the go-go. And when he put this record on and the lights came on, I was like, yo, it's like the party's getting ready to start again. Like, why is everybody going on? What is this record? And it was just yeah. like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And I was like, yo. That's crazy. So some of those dancers there, I watched where they was going. Like, oh, yeah, we're going down to town, this other spot, and it'd be full-on house whole night. So I got more of those rhythms in my soul from hanging out with them. And then one day after school, towards the end of the album, we went to the studio, and the uh, engineer was like, yo, I got an idea. You guys want to make a house record? And I was like, yeah, play it. And the record that he played was like the third version of a record that chopped up Mm. Marshall Jefferson, Move Your Body. So I was like, I know the original. Yeah. I know three of the remixes. So I just scribbled something in 20 minutes and went in the booth and just was partying in the booth, basically. And that's how how she came about. And I never thought of it as like, hip house or a house record because there was so many different rhythms going on during my first four or five years of making tapes off the radio. There was breakbeat stuff. There was electro stuff. There was DJ driven records, you know, like Grandmaster Flash had one, you know, of course, Malcolm McLaren made a bunch of, like chopped up edited records and stuff like that. Yeah. Then there was also Latin freestyle. So, you know, with the Latin rascals. So everything just sounded like edits and beats and breaks, not really genres, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, so yeah. so it was pure going through that whole our house you moment recording that record was pure. I mean the term our house you came from the hip hop side when you you talking about knocking somebody out? Somebody out? I'm a house you, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But it, that's how I came up with the title, and it was like, oh, okay, 
this is like a double entendre. And then I thought, oh, for house music, for knocking someone out. And then for a girl, you're like, yeah, I put you in my house. So it's like, oh, now it's a triple entendre. Okay, triple, cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't even know what entendre meant. I was just doing that, like uh, making those associations. Yeah. And that's how that became like a banger, like an anthem for a house uh, for house music. Yeah, yeah. It's and like it was the Marshall um, Matt. It was the Marshall Jefferson um, "Move Your Body" joint that was the the broth of that whole movement. Yeah, the hip yeah. house movement for me for the hip house movement. Yeah, you yeah. know there was other there was I think Twin Hype. There was Tyree Cooper. There were other house records with rap on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, coming out. But we happened to have a record that sampled that anthem from house from a house artist, which was movie body. Yeah. yeah. I love that. It's like, you're saying it's from such a, a pure place. You're not thinking about specifically, okay, it's gotta, it's gotta be this, or I gotta make it this or this or this. You're just following what you like. And then that leads yeah, you to everything in that era. I would call the jam. Yeah. You go to the jam and you're going to hear things that keep the party rocking. And it don't yeah. have to be one type of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like that's like pure creativity. They're just mixing it all together. I love it. You're just playing good records. Yeah. You know? And it wasn't like until the Red Alert era, there wasn't a lot of rap records to make a full set with. Yeah. So other things were going to get mixed in there. Yeah, you know, Red Alert's like one of the first DJs to have like enough rap records, dope rap records, to make a party just off the rap yeah. records. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, tell me about. Um, I mean, because the there's, you can definitely hear throughout the next few Jungle Brothers albums. Uh, it feels like your guys' sound becomes more and more of itself, like <clears throat> a mix of the stuff that's on the first album. There's some, some more house stuff. There's some more uh, funk samples. There's like, and, and the production gets better and better and better. Um, Do you guys continue that same, like just sort of following whatever's making you move? Yeah, it was and the same seeing thing, where though, that takes like, you. There was two things happening. One, we were still going off the jam. I, yeah. I was feeling the jam, you know, like the jam, the jam, the jam. But then at the same time, there was being there was more structure being added as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As far as like a lot of as far as boom back coming. Yeah. As far as I mean, there was Miami based there. You know, there was certain things that was spinning off that was making a lot of just that type of style. So there were parties that just was that style. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we were still coming from the jam where you take people on a journey with the music. Yes, yes. And after we had toured Europe two, time, two times and see how the music is affecting the people over there who's getting it just for the first time, maybe like 15 years in or 13 years in, it's like, wow, like there's a lot of people that we got to bring that original flavor to. 
Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, show them what it really is, you know? Yeah. So that's why I was, you know, lighthearted and eclectic, you know, different rhythms for different tunes yeah. and stuff like that. Because it was yeah. what we was experiencing performing in, you know, France, England, Germany, Italy, Spain, Japan, Australia. We was going all over the place, you know what I mean? Yeah. At like, you know, 18, 19 years old, you know? Yeah. And and continuing, I just love that um, with you and the Jungle Brothers specifically, there's you're not like staying put and, and finding like, okay, this is, this is the sound and we're just going to, we're just going to do this. Like you can hear a clear, you guys are still pushing the envelope and trying to keep it going and, and following the jam. Like you're saying. Yeah. Cause it's like, we internalize a lot of different music styles. Yeah. So, you know, you get in the studio, you feel a certain way, you start pulling from records over there feel another way you pull from records over there. So, but at the same time, like I said, hip hop started to come more into it to its own. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we still had internalized so much music that we tried to just accompany the records that we use. So if it was our house shoe, then we did that vibe. If it was what you waiting for, then we did that vibe. If it yeah. was a break beat, then we did that vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We just like yeah. formed into those different things because we internalized the music. We knew, oh, that's the original break from that. All right, go back to that and like listen to that record and just vibe with it until you like a part of the band that made that record. Now write your you know write your stuff you know what I'm saying yeah 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 I I love that because it's no matter what the music is you're like paying respect to the music in the process the music yeah, is exactly. inspiring it's you just, yeah exactly it's a different it's a different approach from where things started to go and where we are today yeah you know which I still. It works for me because I know how to help any artist reinvent themselves. I know how to re I know how to innovate out the wazoo. Like I had to study the other half of the moon, which is formulas and structure and you know, commodifying or yeah. having a certain identity musically and sticking with that yeah. and and crafting, you know, Things that are more for production and not creation. Yeah. I have to master that side of it. Yeah. So yeah. when you when when we talking creation, it's like I could see the whole universe around an artist and be like, okay, you need to go this way. Okay, you need to go that way. Okay, this part is you. What's inside you is mainly this. You know what I mean? So I'm not pigeonholed in my approach to creating because of yeah. the way I came through the jam. Yeah. Because I heard so many different records being played at the jam and how DJs like Red Alert can make them all seem like they're part of the same genre. Yes. Yeah. I you love know what that. I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot of fanboys to boom bap and fanboys to 
you know, certain producers, but I just see it all as music. I, 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 with my head, I'm like, I could go through all of those catalogs and make it all sound like one thing. Yeah. You know, I have that, I have that gift because of what I learned from the pioneers of this. You know what I'm saying? Whereas those certain people, fanboy DJ producers, they are they're in that one genre. They only see in that one genre. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I definitely think you're right about that getting lost today, uh, because see, yeah, seeing through just to to whatever music speaks to you and whatever whatever the jam is, and then using that and celebrating that and combining it all together, as opposed to no, I only do this exact thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's why I've been in so many scenes. I'm like a social chameleon. Like everybody thinks when I'm in their scene that I'm from their scene. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I don't I don't hate on nobody. Yeah. And I get the groove, I get the vibe, what's going on. Yeah. And then I start dancing. And then I start plucking records out. Then I start putting things together. And having conversations with people and like getting an intimate knowledge of what's going on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that that's the social chameleon side of me. That's because my approach is not, oh, I only do this one thing and that's not my thing. You know what I mean? I'm more like, oh, I see what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I, I vibe with that. You know, it's not me, but I see what you're doing and how, is, how I could make a party out of that by adding it to other things I have in my repertoire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, perfect segue. Tell me about your latest project. Uh, because uh, for people who only know you for Jungle Brothers stuff, uh, this is, I mean, I think it makes sense considering your evolution. Yeah. Um, but tell me about the the different elements you're you're combining now, what you're most excited about musically and, and what you're creating. Uh, so my latest project is a punk rock project the Africa baby band punk rock project called Shut the Fuck Up and I think it's been like about 15 years that I've been kind of like going in this direction yeah and kind of like groping around you know feeling where my soul is at and where I can make the most impact musically on myself yeah. And then project that outwardly. So, you know, I went on my whole I've been traveling since since I was a kid, but then I got with the group and traveled even more. So I've been like sixty different countries and a lot of times it's not on tour with the group. It's just me roaming around, like learning different cultures and people and taking in different vibes and just, and stuff like that. So I arrived on this punk rock thing because I went to um, Art Basel week one year and I saw this dude come on stage with all this energy like I have on stage mm -hmm. going crazy. And I asked my friend at the time, I was like, yeah, like four or five songs. And I was like, yo, this sounds really good. It was a rock band. I was like, yo, who is this? And she was like, that's Iggy Pop. And I was like, Damn, that dude must be like 65, almost 70 years old. <laughs> yeah. He had his shirt off and he was like cut. 
and he was rocking out hard. And I was like, yo, like I was in a little, um, how could I put it? Cul-de-sac of my career at that time where I wasn't really doing much. And it was that point where it was like the neck, you could feel the next chapter about to turn over in your life. Yeah. And like the universe just presented that to me. And yeah. I was like, I got that kind of energy. Yeah. But is bigger than my energy is bigger than hip hop. That's my energy right there. So what is he doing sonically? Yeah. That I could do and it was punk it was it was Iggy Pop. Yeah. And I was like, look, for all the energy that I have, it, I can't just do hip hop. Yeah. Who, you know, to being the cool and bopping and you know, posing and styling and you know, your new thing is whatever the chain is and the clothing. There's nothing about I ain't shitting on nobody. But yeah, it's like yeah. I got too much energy for that. And when I saw an Iggy Pop, I was like, that's my future right there. I'm not going to be this dude who's like 70 years old and people telling me, sit down, you're too old to rap and be a hip-hop artist. It's like, no, I'm rocking out. Yeah. <laughs> this is a different thing now. I'm rocking out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So while I'm still a young man right now, I'm setting precedence for that with this project. Yeah. It's like, this is when I was nine and I set the tone for me becoming into hip-hop when I was 15. Now I'm setting the tone for what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's more like you better pick the card that you're going to play that is you now because then we're going to open up the doors for you and roll out this thing for you and you got to step into it and step forward. Yeah. So that's this is not like, oh, I want to be different. Oh, I want people to be like, oh, what's he doing? You know, oh, I'm shocking people in hip hop. No, this ain't got nothing to do with that. Yeah. There's some ingredients from that, bro, but I'm stepping forward with music that matches my energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I studied it well, so I'm not out of pocket and looking like I'm a, I grew a different head, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is me. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's shit definitely... that I want to say in the way I want to say it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, too, was a very organic process because it started with seeing Iggy Pop but then it moved into painting. I did a lot of painting and where I didn't have to think about music and a beat and I could explore those creative impulses in a different way. And I learned a lot from that. Yeah. As well. Abstract painting, portrait painting, different things like using spray paint, using markers, using chalk, using pencils, Using food, yeah. I would be painting with like crushed grapes. I was just being very open and free and experimental in a form where that's accepted. Whereas when I would be more experimental in hip hop, it was like, nah, hmm. that's that's not the move. So I got into the space where nobody was saying, nah, that's not the move. People yeah. were like, yeah, come on, bring it out, bring it out, bring it out. So I brought it out. That was 15 years ago. And over time, I brought that out and attracted people into my life that understood that from that world. And that's how I got to the solo project. You know, I don't really call it a solo project. I call it like my expression where I'm at now, where I'm going to go for the rest of my life. That's, that's amazing. I can, yeah. I can definitely tell I've seen your um, performance on KEXP. Yeah. Um, 
and I can definitely tell that it's you. It's a continuation of you, although a different version of that. Uh, yeah. And so in the same way that, I mean, throughout your career, there's you're following the jam. This is yeah. this is the new the new jam. Uh, yeah. But it feels like I can see all of the rest of your history within that still. Um, Absolutely. So I, yeah, I love it as a as a combination of or and culmination of everything up until now. I love it. Yeah, and that's the right word. It's a culmination up until now. Yeah. You know? So it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, yeah. Um, you like- guys have done the the um, live performance I've seen on KEXP. Uh, do you have? I don't think you have uh, music out yet. Is that correct? Right, we debuted it on KXP on 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 you know visually and and on their radio station, and then live we debuted it in Japan. Yes, that's right. Yeah, March two thousand twenty three. So yeah, that's that's all that's all this year. Uh, so what is the? Do you have a specific? Uh, are you working on stuff right now, recording wise, as far as releasing stuff into the world? Where's that at? Yeah, we well, we we're, we're packing the snowball. That's what I call it. We're packing the snowball for this "Shut the Fuck Up" album right now, as we speak. Yeah, it's like things have come full circle because you know, let's just say, twelve months ago, we came to America and started the project serendipitously. Then we debuted it in Japan. Then we debuted it in KEXP, and then we kind of wound up back in America and was like, okay, wh- what what could we do to make this even stronger? Because we already know it's working. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, we got muscle memory on it. We got good uh, chemistry on stage with it. it. It's a hard punch. So it's like, let's go back to the to the lab and see what other energy we could put into it that's related to it, like as an afterthought. I believe in the afterthoughts, like yeah, you know what I mean. So that's what we're doing now. We li- we living in the afterthought of this project before it's released, so that we could put more of that broth and that gumption in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that it's even packed even harder and stronger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's where we are with it right now. I, I love that uh, packing the snowball. That's that's a good. That's a good metaphor for it. I love it. Yeah, um, we've already documented a lot of things with live videos that haven't been released, um, music videos that haven't been released. Um, I, I paint now. I went back to painting, but this time I'm like painting T-shirts. Hmm. So I put about eighty of those out in Japan and fifty of those out recently in America, and then I'm sitting on about a hundred. And I'm just painting these shut the fuck up t-shirts. So they're on people's backs and they promoting it, whether they know it or not. They promoting yeah. this this project before it's even out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm on that punk rock thing. Like, yo, like be as unconventional as possible. It's like, okay, everybody make a record, yeah. Everybody put a single out, yeah. Then another single out, yeah. Then an EP, yeah. Then an album, yeah. And they shoot the video and do this. And they shoot the video and do that. <laughs> and they pay for ads and do this and do that. And I'm like, yo, fuck that. Yeah. I, this is right here. Shut the fuck up. I hear people say that shit every day. Right, right, right. So I'm putting it on your back with my artwork 
And now you're wearing it. And that's why people buying it. They're not thinking about the album. They just go, oh, shit, I want that. I, don't, I want to tell somebody to shut the fuck up when they look at my back. Good. Yeah. Do that. Then I write next to a new album. And they all one of a kind t-shirts. Hmm. Selling them for like 80 to 100 bucks now. Yeah. Because motherfuckers is going to start paying like 500 to to $1,000 for these shirts. Because what you do on canvas, I'm doing on shirts. I'm putting a lot of time into that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So rather than all this big record company budget money, I'm doing it the grassroots style the way hip hop was when you were putting out street teams and stickers everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That person to person, people to people thing is still a real thing regardless of this internet shit. Yeah. And I I think it's stronger too. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then I'm not one dimensional. So every shirt is one of a kind is how I'm feeling that day. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and people... They get sometimes I don't want to give them away because it's like that's how I felt that day. Like I want to see that, but yeah. people got them, so they got them. It's what it is, you know what I mean. And I hope, you know, I, sometimes I take pictures with them. Sometimes they're gone. I make them in the dressing room, and they're gone. Like by the time the show is gone, I don't ever mm-hmm. see them again. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So some people say they're gonna wear them to the show. Some people say they're never gonna wear them as a collector's item. Some people want to get large orders for their stores and stuff like that. And all of that helps people with, you know, have a context for the album. It's like starting the narrative for the album with what you see. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because in, in my book, it's eyes before ears. It's what yeah. you see first and then what you hear. I love it. I love the combination of, because you said, I mean, the directly with painting T-shirts, but a moment ago you were saying, like studying art and different painting and different mediums. There, I love uh, that you're not just staying in one lane musically, and then also artistically. Like, let's explore other mediums. Um, yeah, it's coming for- together because the more, one important thing is Jungle Brothers was one of the first groups to make a full length album. Hmm. When Profile Records told Run DMC to make an album, they was like, nah, man, no, 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 no. We're making singles. Yeah. All right? So, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Run DMC, Jungle Brothers, and that era was the first to make an album. Hmm. So, at that point, this was not about records. Right. You know what I'm saying? A lot there's a lot of artists that was doing routines that wasn't recorded on tape, wasn't recorded in the studio. Yeah. I I know I know rhymes from routines that were never recorded. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we weren't about that format. Yeah. That came later as more people became aware of rap records and they were marketed on MTV and put on the radio. Yeah. So my mindset is not like about the record. Like we had people that was in the native tongue movement that weren't making records. Yeah. Globally. Yeah. You know, I get off the plane, I walk in the neighborhood like Sao Paulo and I go, Oh, you native. I get off the plane and walk through South central LA. Oh, you native. I'll go to Jersey. Oh, yeah. You native. You know what I mean? Groups of people coming out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, them native dudes. They ain't making records. 
they just a part of that tribe, that vibe. And that's what I'm used to seeing. And what closely reminds me of that is is is, is punk rock and the skater dudes and all that. They yeah. can see and recognize each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we're not a part. Not being antisocial, but it's like, we are part of this. We vibing yeah. with this, and this is what's creating everything that you see. The graffiti, aerosol artists, and stuff like that, the same thing. So yeah. for me, I needed to step back and get a part of that. Like, not be a part of the mainstream, not be a part of the narrative of when you're going to have a new record out, is so-and-so going to be on your record? Who's producing your record? Who's playing your record? Did your record get an award? Did you go platinum? You know, it's like, I, dude, I was around before all of that. Yeah, yeah. Just banging on the table in the lunchroom so Mike can freestyle. Like, yeah, yeah. That was enough. Done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And punk rock is the only area where I see people was like that. Like, yo, man, we don't need all that. Mm. And they built a following, if you want to call that. They built yeah. a tribe. I don't want to call it a following. They built a group of like-minded people that was yeah. like, we support that. That's what we want to do. That's what we hear. That's we live our life that like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I I see that too. Exactly what you're saying uh, with early Native Tongue stuff too. Because I mean, a lot of people. Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple crossovers as far as features, and obviously, like Buddy has. Uh, the De La song, like you guys are on it, tribes on it, Queen Latifah's on it. That's like the the most uh, quote unquote native tongues record. Um, but there's not. I mean, a lot of people were like, "Oh, we need a, a native tongues record as far as like a big collaboration." And I feel like today, if there if that movement was today there would be a lot of pressure for that for like all right what's the exactly what you're saying like how do we package this how do we commoditize this and like everything you're saying throughout your career it's so organic and so you're just like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do this let's let's follow this exactly yeah it came out of hanging out yeah. like when we the way we made this record yeah it's just hanging out you know, the engineer said to me on Halloween, he was like, yeah, man, it's a hang. And I was like, that, 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 that's it right there. The first time yeah. I met Queen Latifah, we was just hanging out. I was in the club. I went downstairs. The door was open and there was a school seat holding the door open. And I was waiting for Red because it was so hot in the club. It was the fucking windows was steamed up and sweaty. And I'm like 17 years old. I'm like, yo, I got to get some air. I go sit downstairs. The night ends, 45 King come downstairs, regular come downstairs, and then this girl with some uh, blue and white pinstripe biker shorts comes and sits on my lap. And I'm like, who is this? And it's like, Red's like, yo, that's the 45 King. And I'm like, oh, okay. And Flavor Unit and all that. It's like, and then Queen Latifah introduced herself to me. She's like, y'all want to go on tour with y'all. And that's how we winded up on this 30-day tour through Europe where she was on tour with us, her and Joe Rob G. That's there was no ENR, there was nobody yeah. saying, Y'all should do something together. Yeah. We were still getting to know each other, but we was just jumping on stage and doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I always remember that. And so when it gets to the point of the afterthought where it's like, oh man, that'd be great if you guys made a record together. Yeah. Mastermind this put this together and get this money and do that. And I'm like, 
dude, I don't know how to think that way. You know what I mean? Like, this was so organic. I don't really know how to think that way. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like when we did Buddy, the original version of Buddy, you shifting gears. And that was one of the breaks we used to use to practice in my house. Hmm. Yeah. So when I went there and they invited us to be on the track, I was like, oh, this feels like I'm in my house rhyming over shifting gears. Like, this doesn't feel like a guest appearance. Yeah. It just feels like we jamming out. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's... Okay, let's go. I think that's what is so resonant about it with people is that it feels so fun and just exactly like you're saying, like, yeah, we're just hanging out. It's not a big uh, ulterior motive behind it. No, it's all vibe. You bring in all those vibes in the room first. Yeah. Not the craft, the vibe. Yeah. Like a lot of records today is craft Hmm. and, and, and lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The the whole celebrity blueprint mm-hmm. is, is is based on that. Yeah. Eyes before ears. So they they topped out on image, image, image first, image first. And then the craft of pop songwriting. Yeah. So that's why they could keep repeating, 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 and commodifying. And then the vibe is left to Maybe that dude that turned the button a certain way and created that new hot thing. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? But it's more craft and technical stuff right now mm-hmm. than it was in our era. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Our era is more like vibe. Yeah. Even now, if I go out on a good night with my cousin from Harlem, like an OG night, and the DJ plays certain records and a certain, man, my spirit is like, whoa. Yeah. And it's not because I'm like stuck on one era of music, but all those records have vibe on it. Yeah, yeah. It does that to you. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? It just the heartbeat that we use for the buddy remix, when you play that and you hear the synth in that, yo, I remember spacing out to that and, and the skating rink, like what's yeah. happening to me right now while I'm popping and I'm battling some kid in the middle of the skating rink. Going off to that record, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, those yeah. records inspire you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's vibe. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah. So I mean, tracing all the way, like you're saying from the beginnings, trying to get into the talent show, uh, you're banging on the the lunch table, all the way up through now. I I love seeing your progression and. Uh, culmination now uh, as an artist and just following the the vibe the entire time yeah it's, I, I, it's I love it follow the vibe and like i said the whole iggy pop thing and the punk thing is 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 the energy part that is like you're gonna you're gonna throw something hard yeah you know what i mean it's not gonna be just funky and groovy and melodic and stuff like that no it's gonna pack a hard punch and there's gonna be other yeah. players on there and their energy is gonna be on there and you're going to vibe with that, and that's what you're going to walk in the booth with. You know what I mean? And then you just kind of vomit your shit out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some days I come in the studio, I got all my shit laid out. And I, I know craft, and I know technical shit now. So I, I could, I die eyes, cross T's, look at the numbers and the syllables and all that. But other days I just walk in, literally, as I'm on my way down, I'm like, I'm not thinking about shit. Yeah. 
I'm just going to daydream and wander around in my head and I get in the studio and I'm just quiet. I might even take a nap and I hear all this shit going on in the background and the universe is just conjuring a vibe. And then I'll get up and go in and it's like the therapies and say the first thing that comes to mind. You know, it's like you don't overthink it and it just it comes out dope. Yeah, that's vibe. Bam, thank you so much for your time, for, for sharing your stories with us um, throughout your history and what you're going going with now. Uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you again to Bam for our conversation. Thank you for listening. Go check out the I'll House You Breakdown on YouTube. Go follow Bam online for updates on his new project. And I'll talk to you soon.